0: There are lots of lousy businesses and there's lots of wonderful businesses.
1: It's the art and science of money.
0: My job has been to try and figure out which is which.
1: It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi portfolio managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good evening, my friends.
2: Another weekend, another show for you about money. Um, money is a very important item. It's a medium of exchange. Uh, I don't really need to spend a lot of time uh, helping you spend your money uh, i think we all have a pretty good handle on how to do that most of us do anyways uh but uh as, as you accumulate wealth uh you accumulate i shall say power uh and I spider-man once put it best with great power comes great responsibility and so part of that responsibility of course is reaching every one of us to do the responsible thing and help our fellow. Brothers and sisters, uh, COVID has been a very challenging time uh, for many people. Uh, investors have done just fine. If they remained invested in this market and worked with Jack and I, uh, they have built fantastic wealth. Uh, You've been taxed. Uh, there's issues in society. So we, we, we can sort of kill two birds with one stone. We can help you reduce your tax burden uh, and we can help you do good Uh that, that, that will also benefit you uh, when you give, you receive. It just happens. And every now and then I like to bring on some very, very good causes. Uh, homelessness is a, is a burning concern. of mine's a burning concern of many Torontonians. And homelessness is, is a growing issue. Uh, I, I like to support uh, those who uh, help those in need. And uh, I saw a very good Instagram post recently. I follow a number of charities. Um, so I'm pleased to bring on tonight uh, Without Shelter Mr. Steve Doherty is executive director uh, at Youth Without Shelter. Uh, Steve, thank you very much for spending time with us uh, and to discuss this very, very important uh, topic that money can help solve. Uh, and this is a show about money, and this is, I think, one of the most powerful means of putting that money to work. Uh, so, thank you for spending time with us. Let's talk about uh, the the cause first and foremost. foremost. Throw some hard cold numbers at the audience about homelessness uh and specifically youth homelessness
0: absolutely first of all thank you very much for having me on i really appreciate this opportunity um to discuss a very serious and pressing issue um our statistics are showing uh through the city and also through national surveys on any given night you are looking at approximately 2000 to 2500 youth so 16 to 24 years of age are homeless in the city of toronto every single night which is, uh, it's a huge number, and many of them are hidden homeless. So these are the young people that are couch surfing or, or temporarily got a place to be. And so it, it's, it's something that we really need to address. And I think the past uh, year and a half dealing with COVID has really highlighted some of the issues for these young people.
2: You're, 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 the, the work you do, the, the work the other charities do, um, has obviously been hindered through COVID. Uh, restricting your ability to to help. Can you speak to that, how COVID has really compounded the problem that you're trying to deal with?
0: Oh, absolutely, so when we first, you know, none of us knew what was going on when this uh, first was announced that there was this pandemic and we thought, okay, we're gonna have two weeks of, uh, of lockdown to help flatten the curve. And of course, that got longer and longer. And so it really uh, exacerbated some of the issues because at the time, our capacity here at Youth Without Shelter is fifty three. That is our capacity. But due to some uh, some actions taken by, I, I believe, some well-intentioned uh, uh, citizens, they uh, uh, brought forth the, some action against the city. We had to reduce our number of, of young people uh, down to down to thirty one. So, uh, and then it went down to twenty eight that we had. So we kept getting squeezed in terms of we've got the same number of young people that are homeless. But for all of the youth shelters and all those shelters throughout the city, there was less and less spaces available. So the, the city did a, a great job to try and uh, really uh, pivot as quickly as they could. And they created the, uh, the hotel programs, uh, hotel programs for youth and also for, for adults and couples, um, which, you know, there's an, a, a large cost to that. I understand it. But I also understand the city's predicament. We want to prevent the spread of COVID-19 uh, in, the, in the shelter system that was tough. It was a, you know, you're, you sort of get caught in between. And so it's trying to, you know, have people, the only hotel that was available was downtown. We're in the suburbs, we're up in Rexdale. Uh, so for our young people, moving them downtown to a hotel just didn't make sense. So we we actually made a decision at that point, in fact, that we were going to try it and uh, view ourselves as a bit of a family cell that we are here. We're a closed cell. We're working in someone else's home. We always have to remember that. And so our housing and aftercare team worked their tails off, and uh, we found, to bring our numbers down, we found housing for every single one of those youth, to bring. we were able to bring our numbers down. And that's thanks to the amazing uh, generosity of, of the community and our great relationships we have with uh, so many landlords who reached out to us.
2: Um, we speak with Steve Doherty, he's executive director. A youth without shelter. Homelessness is a problem. We have to help solve this problem, my friends. And, of course, uh, if you have money, if you have wealth, uh, you have power, as indicated, with great power comes great responsibility. I don't see anything more important than homelessness. It's in our backyard. It affects each and every one of us. Um, God help the children, I shall say. Uh, 16 to 24-year-olds. Uh, The the COVID statistics are are changing. Uh, We're we're learning more about the effect or how COVID affects that demographic. Um, Anyone who's been marginalized and and pushed through the cracks of society to to, to the point of being on the street uh, are most likely not vaccinated. Uh, Can you speak to that, uh, Steve? How can we get the the underprivileged uh, better protected for, for, for everyone's sake?
0: Oh absolutely and we've been, we 've been we joined the fight in that. Um, we did a, a fantastic job. My director of operations, Ben Albbergghi, really stepped up we reached out to the city we 're running vaccination clinics we 've run uh, probably i guess six uh, of them now or seven here at the shelter and it 's open to uh, the residents and staff, but also former residents. Uh, they may have friends that are homeless as well. We opened it up to all of them to come here and and become vaccinated. We know that uh, the new variants are, are impacting younger and younger people uh, every day. And we also know that the science is telling us that the vaccinations are work. They're working in terms of lessening the impact of, of COVID-19. We're seeing it in, in less uh, people being admitted to ICUs. We joined that fight with the support of Shelter Support and Housing Authority in Toronto months ago. So we've been running regular clinics here, uh, catering with our messaging and the information that we've got directly to those youth that we serve and the, the larger number of people on the fringe. Um, we believe strongly in it. We want to make sure that people are healthy as possible, uh, and that they have the best opportunity that anyone else would, uh, who has a place to call home. So we, we made ourselves available as a vaccination site.
2: What happens to an individual? A baby's born uh, and all of a sudden the baby finds hardship and gets to a point in life where, that, that person is now an adolescent and ends up on the street, uh, hits rock bottom. <laughs> you step in and, and help uh, resurrect that individual and get them on, on the right path. Please speak to that, uh, the, the full cycle,
0: uh, you know, with, with,
2: with a good outcome, please. Oh, absolutely.
0: So the majority of homeless youth in Canada, and especially here in Toronto, uh, it's through no fault of their own. Um, you know, the majority of them are dealing with mental health issues, but they're also dealing with the fact that they, they've suffered some sort of abuse and neglect is abuse, right? So, um, we've got a lot of folks that just, you know, out of their control, whether it be, uh, their caregiver, moms, dads, uh, whoever it is looking after them, family members dealing with substance abuse issues, they can't continue to live at home, um, it's so rare. People like to say, oh, they're just choosing to be on the street. No, they're not. Right. They're really not. The vast majority of these young people come to us for help because they do want to get better. Our stay in school program is a perfect example of that. The average you know, a graduation rate for, for homeless youth in Canada is, is around 35, 37 percent. We have an 85 to 90 percent graduation rate from our stay in school program because they found a safe, stable, supportive place to live right? And we give them all the tools that they need from the technology to the scholarships, whatever it might be. We're seeing success. And that is the biggest thing, is that the homeless youth are very different from homeless adults. They're in a different developmental stage, right? And the other, other part is if we intervene early, our chances of eliminating chronic homelessness that moves into the adult sector uh, it is uh, we greatly reduce that chronic homelessness by addressing it early. And we provide wraparound supports here that, uh, that help to facilitate that. We believe very strongly in equality of opportunity. As you know, equality of outcomes is, is so difficult, right? It's been impossible for any society to do. But equality of opportunity is what we do through barrier reduction and support in our wraparound case management services, our mental health services, our employment and life skills, our housing and aftercare. We give them the tools that they need to succeed. And what ours are, we're seeing, it does lead to success and it does lead to elimination of chronic homelessness.
2: Um, Steve, uh, Mr. Executive Director at Youth Without Shelter, I want to repeat your name a few times uh, because it's important that people understand who we're speaking with. We're we're, we're talking charity. We're talking helping your fellow man. Chokes me up when I talk about this stuff. I have to say each and every time I do that, I couldn't imagine being in that position. and I couldn't imagine a friend or a family member being in that position, but it does happen. Um, but, but, But Dollars and cents. Uh, Because I do have some very tax efficient means of giving money to charity, which I'm going to share with the audience after the break. That's the hook to keep you listening to the show. But uh, Steve, um, how much money do you, on on a per head basis, on a per client basis, on a per person basis, uh, how many people do you work with uh, per annum? And what is the annual budget? In other words, how much money does it cost to take care of uh, one of these youth for a 12-month period?
0: Yeah, we sort of, uh, you know, great question. We, um, on any given year outside of COVID, we're normally uh, 850 to 1,000 youth access our services uh, each year. Uh, staggering number, mm-hmm. right? We're going it over is. 35th year of, of, uh, of existence. So you can imagine you start tallying up those numbers. <clears throat> but our annual budget is around, oh, we're looking around $3.2 million. Uh, 40, about 43% of that comes from the city, through the province, to the city, to us. Uh, we got about another three and a half percent for the United Way. Every other dollar we have to fundraise because if we don't do the fundraising, we can't do the things that I was just talking about. Without our great corporate and individual and, and foundation donors, we can't provide mental health services. We cannot provide housing and aftercare. We can't provide life skills and employment. We can't do all the case management that is through the generosity of the amazing people of uh, the gtha who have supported us young amazing people if you want to be amazed come and meet them sometime once the covid restrictions are over we'd love to have you come by and meet these amazing young people that uh they called youth without shelter home
2: uh, we're speaking to steve doherty executive director youth without shelter it's an important conversation i want to continue it uh, hi-fi radio global news 640 in toronto you stay tuned my good friends we're going to help those who need our help stay tuned
1: let's take a break but after wolf and jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money you're listening to hi-fi radio from global news radio 640 toronto
2: Welcome back, my friends. Indeed, do you feel all right and help the children? So, this all about this discussion. We're talking with uh, Steve Doherty, executive director at Youth Without Shelter. Um, can you talk a little bit more uh, specific about uh, your facility, where you're located, um, what what the facility is like inside? Um, and you know, I, I do think it's, it's it's very powerful when the general public visits. Their local communities and their local shelters and um, charities, just to get a granular feel for what's inside those four
0: walls, because it can really rip your heart out and uh, open your eyes. I think. Oh, absolutely! You know, so if you look at us from the outside, we look like a co- and inside, we look like a college dorm. We really do. But we don't have that traditional shelter feel. Um, you know, we uh, again partnerships with our community partners um, for decorating for the painting, everything from the furnishings. We want it to make sure that it does we don't want to look institutional, right? They're just, we've got a 33 bed emergency side that you know um, would be a bit more like you know, what people think of a traditional shelter. Um, and then we've got our 20 bed stay in school program. So when you, when you walk in, the first thing that you notice is it's a very welcoming environment. We have some cool art. We've got some uh, folks that have decorated and done some work for us. Our, our eating areas really have a cafe. You think you're in a downtown cafe when you, when you go there. Um, we didn't want it to feel like a shelter. We wanted to feel like this is a place where someone could be comfortable and someone can, can call home while they need to. And that also starts with, with the amazing staff team that I've got here, the way that they welcome these young people, the way that they support them. But we've, I mean, we're stretched to the limit. Uh, behind every door in our facility, there's one of two things, either a person or storage. And if you look at my office, there's both. <laughs> um, we're stretched to our limit. So, you know, we're looking at, you know, how do we expand? and that's where we're you know kind of reaching out to the community and saying you know uh, you know, help us out how can we how can we all work together to uh, to expand our services we're working with the city and the province and the federal government to try and make that happen um but it, it really is it's a very different feel here and we do that very much on purpose um the rooms are all decorated uh the you know it, really cool kind of hip stuff that uh, we've had partnerships But the other key component of us is our volunteers. Even during COVID, you know, we had over 2,100 volunteers volunteer with us from a distance, whether that was virtual shopping, preparing meals at home and bringing them to us. Uh, Like, absolutely incredible. But when our doors are fully open, we welcome members of the community to come in and volunteer. We have a great volunteer coordinator, uh, an engagement coordination team that's you know, three, four nights a week, we've got people from the community, community groups, just some just really great folks who come in and prepare meals, right and that, that would happen every weekend. we would have volunteers coming in uh, to do that. We can't do any of this without our volunteer base. We simply can't afford to do it. Uh, you know, our food budget's pretty small, but we've got great uh, relationships with uh, with food banks, right? with second harvest. So North York Harvest helps us out as well. We, these are things we need to survive. And when people come here, the great part is, is that not only they're giving back and that feels good, but they really get to meet these young people. They get to see what it looks like in the shelter. They get to have a different understanding of, of homeless youth. And that's just as impactful as, as their give back. And I, I don't know a single volunteer who is left here who hasn't felt impacted. And like you talk about the lump in your throat that you get sometimes, they get that same feeling when they come here. Right? And it's also great for the youth that they see that people do care. Right. That people, it isn't about charity. It's about caring and partnerships.
2: The problems with, with homelessness, um, are, are so broad. And again, this show is all about building wealth. It's about working, it's about saving, it's about building wealth so that you can take care of your family, take care of yourself and take care of your neighbor. Um, but, but to do that, you need an education. You need a roof over your house. You need a mailing address. You need healthcare. You need a, so, a, a support network. Uh, you need friends and family to, to, to get through life because life is difficult even for the best of us. Um, the, the issue that I, I couldn't fathom to, to, to comprehend, but if you become homeless, you lose a mailing address. You will likely lose ID over time. Uh, and without that, you can't get health care. You can't get a job. Uh, operating today without a cell phone, Without an iPhone is almost impossible for all of us. So, Imagine a youth on the street. So, uh, again, help us um, understand uh, how does a youth regain their identity, regain uh, the, the necessary
0: documentation to get through life? You know, your point is spot on. Everything that you talked about that people need and that sense of belonging and caring, that's the void that we try our best to fill. Um, but you're right about the technology, ID. We we help hook up our uh, our folks with ID clinics that happen. Our case managers are constantly on the phone, whether it's with the Canadian provincial or municipal governments, trying to make sure that we got identification for these young folks. Um, we work on those things. When you come into our stay in school program, I know I've got uh, you know three kids in university. And even when they were in high school, they had to have a cell phone to be able to text and do group work. So many of these young folks don't through our generosity with uh, one of our foundations, they're all provided, if they don't have a cell phone, we provide them with one. If they don't have a laptop, how do you survive in college and university these days without one, right? We provide laptops. When I told someone that we're giving all of our residents in stay-in-school laptops, they went, oh my God, you're going to give them laptops? I'm like, yeah. Oh, well, do you think they'll disappear? I said, well, I guess we're going to find out. And uh, through you know HP partnership, we've had, in my time here, one laptop not be returned. And that's because the young woman had dropped it and it broke and she was too embarrassed to tell us. Other than that, every one of those laptops comes back and we see those, those are investments in these young people's future. Right. And again, eliminate the barriers. We make sure that they're trans through our fundraising, our transit uh, costs are covered. We've had kids come in and they say, I used to have to make a decision. Do I ride the TTC today to school or do I eat? Right. An impossible decision. And so we eliminate again that barrier of cost. So if you've heard me talk about partnerships. You've heard me talk about donors, and that is our key. Um, you know, you talk about you know the uh, wealth, and how do you how do you transfer? It, how can you transfer it into something? You can transfer it into real, meaningful change and impact uh, that we do here every day at YWS, rated by McLean's Magazine and MoneySense two years in a row as a leading youth charity in Canada. We've been I recognized so. for how well, thank you, how well, this is we never lose sight that is someone else's money, including taxpayer dollars, that is someone else's money that we are being asked to be stewards of, right, and so we never lose sight of that, and we want to be able to show people the impact that they have and and the kindness that money can carry along with it through our services yes indeed
2: now if if, if you donate a dollar. To uh, youth without shelter, if you donate ten thousand dollars, pick your number, uh, and if you're in the top tax bracket, you will get back roughly forty-five percent of what you donate. Uh, so, if you donate a thousand, you'll get back roughly four hundred and fifty bucks, give or take. Don't hold me to the to the penny place. Uh, this is for uh, illustration purposes only. <laughs> make 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 make, make, make us constipation, dizziness, and a whole lot of other things. No, it's not a drug commercial. Um, However, uh, my good friends uh, listening to us right now, if you been paying attention to the, Bay, uh, the Wolf on Bay Street and Jack Hartle and all of our money talk over the last number of years, uh, it's been a bull market, uh, certainly uh, coming out of the bottom of the pandemic market, making new highs, there, we all have a lot of big embedded capital gains available to us. So if you want to be very efficient, rather than selling a stock and paying tax and then donating the balance. You can donate the, the appreciated share, you can any asset that has appreciated, and receive full uh, credit uh, for the market value of it. My point is, you avoid paying tax and you will receive a bigger tax credit uh, and further help the charity. Uh, So instead of giving $10,000 cash, if you gave a share certificate that was worth $10,000, but you only paid five for it, the other $5,000 capital gain will not be taxed, and you'll get yourself the full $10,000 charitable uh, offset, which is very, very beneficial to you. So friends and family, I strongly encourage you to give to charity each and every year. Find your favorite charities. Uh, Homelessness is is right up my alley, and there's a lot of good shelters in Toronto that all do great work. Um, It's frustrating that me as a citizen, I have to see all these little shelters working passionately and very hard and very creatively on shoestring budgets, and it appears most of them are receiving half the funding from the government and the other half uh, from donors like you and I. uh, I personally wish the government would would do a better job of spearheading this whole project creating a provincial or even a national uh, program to deal with these issues. But life doesn't work that way. It becomes much more personal. And I think you need the personal touch to really resonate at a local basis with the local problems. And I'm, I'm sure you can speak to
0: that briefly, Steve. Well, you know, uh, I want to let your listeners know I'm a donor here at YWS. I donate every year. Right. Um, I would I want to put my money where my mouth is, right? I can't encourage people to donate to this amazing cause without, you know what, me doing exactly the same thing, right? So I understand, you know, my own privilege of where I've gotten to in life, and I've got to give back. I can not I, I, could never ask someone to do something I'm not willing to do as well. Um, we are actively lobbying uh, municipal, provincial, and, and federal governments all of the time. We work as a cohesive unit. I'm the chair of the Youth Shelter Interagency Network, and we're always working towards... How do we increase the funding? How do we have the greatest impact of dollars? Um, this last federal election was the first time I have ever heard that homelessness, especially youth homelessness, actually made it onto the national stage for discussion, and it was part of uh, all party platforms. Right? I was just blown away by that. Fact. But that tells me where society is changing, that we're recognizing there's an issue um, with homelessness, with affordability, all of these sorts of things. Um, we are big fans. Of, uh, rather than, you know, shovels in the ground, we're, we're building uh, a, a housing project. Oh, it's going to house 1,000 people. we got over 100,000 people on the wait list for subsidized housing in Toronto, right? A greater impact that we are pushing for is a portable housing benefit so that, you know, the, the benefit goes with the young people as they move and it helps to top up so they can afford rent, right? And it doesn't create a lot of bureaucracy. It doesn't require years and years of building and planning, What it requires is the decision by the federal government, provincial and municipal governments to make this happen. Right. And it gives them the dignity to choose where they want to live, just like any of any of the rest of us want uh, want that dignity as well.
2: Well, I I think, Steve, we all have a responsibility. Uh, The government has a responsibility. The corporations have a responsibility. And you and I have a responsibility that we must all support uh, society and make it a better place to live. And from a corporate point of view, and I was just speaking with my wife about Ronald McDonald House and what they do. It's a lovely little charity as well. But there's an investment theme at play here. And friends, if you've been listening to the show for a while, Jack and I have been speaking about it frequently. Those companies that offer a very important new element that investors, long-term investors, are really putting underneath the lens uh, very, very closely. And that is the ESG theme, environmental social governance. And and, and these are little boxes that portfolio managers want to see ticked off. That the, that the business they invest in, be it a Google or a Microsoft, that they are concerned with the environment. They they, they are also concerned with their social responsibility uh, and that they do good for society. Governance, of course, means equality, uh, the, the minority representation, uh, female representation, et cetera, et cetera, and how they govern the business itself. And is it properly representing and, and, and doing the best for the shareholders or is it a dual class Voting system that is benefiting one shareholder, not all. So, governance too is important, but the social and the, and, and the environmental, uh, first and foremost. And right now we're talking social. Uh, Steve Doherty, Executive Director, Youth Without Shelter. Uh, it's a shelter in the West End in Etobicoke, uh, helping uh, over 800 youth a year. Uh, you're, you're doing God's work, my friend. Thank you. Uh, we'll speak with you. We'll sure. speak with you again. Uh, please, my friends, stay tuned. We're going to talk technical, we're going to talk markets. Uh, Looks like this bull market is in for a bit of a pause. You want to pay attention to what we have to say. Javin Mirza, our chief technician at Canaccord, is going to spend some time with us uh, sharing, sharing with you his roadmap for the next 6 to 12 months. Stay tuned.
1: Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
2: Welcome back, my friends. That's what the show's all about. A job, a pain, okay. Just had to wipe the tears out of my eyes talking about Steve Doherty. At, uh, I can't, friends. I can't stress it enough. We gotta help. We just have to help. It's our duty as citizens to help. Jack and I try to help each and every week, giving you some good money ideas. Take some of it and give back, please. Um, yeah, Javin Mirza, uh one of our analysts, uh, Canaccord Genuity, uh, he's a technician. Uh, he looks at charts, um, price is all telling. Uh, price is what the market at any given point in time thinks a business is worth. Uh, call it accurate, call it voodoo, it is what it is, but uh, everything boils down to price. Uh, there's a story, there's a business, there's a management team, there's a, a trend, there's news it all boils down to price. And Javid Merza, being a market technician, studies that price very closely. Of course, they layer on additional data, be it volume and momentum, and uh, all kinds of other interesting things, moving averages and oscillators. But ultimately, Jesse Livermore, the world's greatest trader, reminiscence of a stock operator, my favorite book, uh, refers to price. He used to trade just based on price and price change. Um, Javid, uh, being a market technician, uh, thinks We are getting ourselves into a corrective phase. Don't be alarmed. That's a six-week, six-month window or so, and I've been preparing, I think, for this, but uh, he thinks we're just about to get into the uh, uh, thick of it, so I want to bring him back on the show and get his view on the market uh, late into September, early into October. Uh, Javid, thank you for joining us, my friend. Please talk to me. Where are we at? What are you feeling? What are you seeing? What's in the tea leaves? Well, it's
3: funny. The timing couldn't be better, Wolfgang. We just put out that note this morning advising clients to reduce equity exposure. So uh, the tea leaves are suggesting that we go lower. And uh, we're seeing, I mean, we've already seen a lot of these risk on asset plays. Uh, I'm talking about ARC investing. I'm talking about Bitcoin. I'm talking about China already put in uh, big peaks earlier this year and continue to, to push lower. But now we're seeing that ripple through equity markets. And uh, at the very least, uh, I, our work suggests there's an intermediate term, one to two month correction, with call it another 5% downside. And the big risk, of course, is what we weren't warned about at the start of the year, that that four-year cycle reset is happening. And that could see potentially another 10 to 15% downside Uh, On uh, major equity indices.
2: Well, look, the the market has been very good to all of us if we remained invested in the marketplace. Uh, Currently, the market is roughly four to five percent off its peak. Correct, Javid? Correct. Um, And so, to correct another five percent from these levels would be very, very normal. I frequently host conference calls with my clients. It's an exclusive uh, membership-only conference call that Jack and I host for our clients. Of course, they are just that, our clients. They keep us in business and we love them very much and we take very good care of them. And you too, by the way, could become a client from fundbaystreet.com if you're interested. Um, During this conference call, each and every time we host it, we show data about the market movements historically each and every year. It shows how much the market fell each year from peak to trough and it shows what the end result was for the year so more often than not the market will be up in two out of three years or three out of four years the market's up that fourth year will be down but during those years there's also periods of time when the market sells off a little bit and for the market to have a five percent correction happens every single year ten percent corrections seem to happen every two years twenty percent corrections seem to happen every four years fifty percent corrections seem to happen every 10 years so i've become um, not immune, but better uh, suited to deal with and accept the volatility as it comes, Javid. I I know newer investors and and even some older investors, they continue to worry about the bumps in the road. Uh, I try to lean more on hold quality assets and accept the bumps in the road, but you can take advantage of them. And I think that's the key here, Javid, not to, gee, sell now, friends, we think the market's going lower. I I wouldn't necessarily advise that. Um, I think you should have an asset mix a blend of stock bond and cash and ideally less bond today than ever, but hopefully some dry powder so that when the market does give you an opportunity to buy things a little better value, you can take advantage of it. So uh, with that backdrop, David, sort of give us a uh, a playbook. Um, what's the likelihood of the four-year cycle reset taking place? Sorry, friends, for being technical. Because if, if that does happen, you think the market peaked to trough could potentially be a 20%, maybe 25% haircut. Is that correct? And if so, give us a timeline how how that would play out, if, 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 if at all possible.
3: Yeah, no, that's... Uh, so call it, yeah, anywhere from 15 to 20% peak to trough. And on average, this typically takes around six to eight months to, to play out. The one we had in 2018 was basically ripping off the Band-Aid quickly. That roughly lasted about three months. I think that's the preferred way to do it. Uh, It's always more painful when it's that slow drip. Um, But yeah, that's kind of what we're looking for. So uh, in our note, I think uh, it would be call it early to mid 2022, um, just in terms of uh, time uh, when we could see a low. Now it's either going to be price or time that this four-year cycle reset goes through. So we could either see a 15 to 20% correction and then if that's the case, that's where I'd be looking to step in or we could see a, um, uh, you know, six to eight month time correction. And if that's the case, then, you know, that, that one's going to be a bit harder to gauge, but then it suggests stepping in sometime during the spring.
2: Yeah. And again, uh, part of your work, Javid, I know you're working off of moving averages, uh, which smooth out the price action. And you're you're playing off of the 50 day moving average and the 200 day moving average and breaches of those averages causes you to become concerned. So the 50 day moving average has been breached, which means you're now looking at the 200 day moving average, which is further below where we are today. And again, the mathematics would as such work itself back into position of, of, of bull market by going sideways and letting the averages catch up with the price action that has advanced so greatly. And again, sorry, I don't mean to make your head spin at home, friends. Let's, uh, again, I'm just trying to uh, use words to create pictures in our minds right now as we look at the market. But again, friends, I, I want to stress the most important thing is, is, to, is to build wealth. And you do that by working saving, and buying good assets. Simple, boring assets, personally, I think are best. Uh, Canadian banks, some blue chip oil, some big pharma, uh, some quality tech stock, a good balanced portfolio. And again, it's not easy to do on your own. I wouldn't suggest you do it on your own. That's exactly what Jack and I do for clients each and every day. And at the periphery, Uh, We we try to add value, and that's what Javid does with us. He helps us add value. So we are sitting currently, Javid, on about eight percent cash. I've been waiting for a pullback in the market to deploy that cash, and it's very difficult because I raised cash when the S and P was probably forty one hundred. It's now forty three hundred ish. So. If the market has to fall 5% just for me to, to get back into the same entry point, I could have six months ago, and I for forwent some dividends. Uh, so it shows you how difficult it is to time the market. Uh, I've been working on it for 20 years, and I, I, I'm humbled, I shall say. I continue to build wealth and make money, so don't you worry about that, my friends. But we try to get better. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We are speaking with Javin Mirza. He is our market technician, uh, one of the uh, finest gentlemen on Bay Street, and we're very fortunate to have him working at Canaccord, helping us uh, make sense of the market. We're upon some volatile times. Uh, It's going to be a little choppy. We're here to help you get through it. You stay tuned.
1: Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
2: Everyone now? Indeed. That man just doesn't stop, eh? Uh, have you seen the TV commercial that he's in? It's one of those uh, food delivery companies. I, could, I said, Is that Elton John in a television commercial? How much more money does Elton need? I know Elton gives to charity. I know most of those uh, performers do give to charity. They all have big hearts because uh, you usually have very humble beginnings. Uh, I'm actually going to be seeing Elton John on uh, Valentine's Day. I look forward to that. Uh, expensive tickets. Um, it's going to be a great show, I think. And most of us haven't seen a show, a live show in years. So that'll be interesting. Of course, we have to continue to be safe, my good friends. We're talking with Javin Mirza. He's an analyst. He's a market technician, a technical analyst. In other words, he looks at uh, stock charts, which of course are prices of shares and lines drawn through them to give you direction as to which they are going to continue to go or not. Uh, Javid, I want to get specific for the next five minutes um, about Canada. Canada has been an outperforming market for about the last 12 months. Lots of interest, of course, in the commodities because the economy is strong and there's pent up demand. People are building houses. I paid 12 bucks for two by fours, which subsequently went to $369. I couldn't believe it, Java. From $12 for a two x four, three months later, $369 at home hardware. I couldn't believe it. Um, copper, of course, has been my electric play. Uranium has been my electric play. Uh, I bought two, two by fours for, for the home renovation, so I had that slightly hedged with some West Fraser timber. Uh, but I want to ask you what is your view on the Canadian market uh, for the next 12 months? What's your view specifically on oil and base metals and the the precious metals?
3: So starting off with the base metals, I think, you know, if we are seeing this four year cycle reset take hold, um, they're definitely going to come under pressure. You're already seeing a lot of these names have some pretty big breakdowns uh, in terms of the copper names. Gold—they've been under a lot of pressure. If anything, that's one of the areas of the market that I'd be looking at or interested in, especially given uh, how far they've fallen here. And then, in addition, if we are seeing a period of market weakness, golds are typically, you know, a defensive uh, place to hide and a safe haven. And then, just in terms of oil, uh, you know, we talked about our market cycle model and where we are in that, and that's effectively, uh, you know, the, the business cycle. And as long as we're in the phase where we are now, then energy, at the very least, even if it's not a um, absolute outperformer, is gonna be a relative outperformer. So that's kind of where we're seeing things uh, in terms of the commodity space here in Canada.
2: So you're you're favorable with gold because it has pulled back enough that you think it's at a buy point. Plus, if the market has a little pullback, it'll be a defensive uh, hiding place. Oil, you continue to remain moderately constructive on, but base metals, you're not keen on, uh, which is very, very interesting. Uh, but to tie all that back to Canada, uh, Canada has outperformed the bulk of the G7 nations market-wise this year. Uh, are we going to continue that with that leadership next year? Uh, and what, what's your view on the Canadian versus U.S. dollar over the next 12 months? So uh, they're going to be tied together. I think the U.S. dollar
3: is going to continue to rise. We are of the belief that the U.S. dollar is in a longer-term secular bull market in equities. I'm oh, sorry, in a longer-term secular bull market in line with the ongoing secular bull market in equities. And then just in terms of Canada, um, this year worked out, uh, or so far, Um, In line with what we thought it would be, which is if we're late in the cycle, that's when commodity plays come back into play. And so as a result, next year, uh, we think we're going to be moving out of that. So next year, Canada, we anticipate will actually
2: underperform. Javin Mirza, our technician at Canaccord. It, it, it's a delight to have you uh, on the team. You're very, very helpful. Um, I really appreciate your views on things. I want to wish you a safe and prosperous weekend, my good friends. Friends at home, uh, shows Hi-Fi Radio each and every Saturday right here on Global News 640 in Toronto. Any questions, thewolfonbaystreet.com, WolfgangKlein.com. No question too big, too small. We service you all. It's a real delight. It's a real pleasure to spend an hour with you every Saturday. Thank you.